Hello listeners, this is Vikas again with another episode on Run With Fit Page. This is episode 45 and I have Dr. Kumar Janardhanan with me in this conversation today. Today's conversation is going to be epic. Trust me, there was so much of information overload that I had to pause myself and take notes from this conversation. We talked all about diabetes diabetes in runners and how to manage in case you are pre-diabetic or you have a diabetes condition. Dr. Janardhanan Kumar is uh, the professor of medicine and is a diabetologist at SRM Medical College. He is the head of department and he not only researches medicine and does all about diabetes to cure and bring solutions that help for human well-being but he himself also is a great endurance runner. He has been practicing the sport for more than a decade now, together with his wife, and he has such an amazing way of conversing what is going to be super beneficial in case there is someone who is impacted by diabetes in the family, in your friend circle, or if it includes, unfortunately, you. I'm sure, like me, you're going to find this extremely, extremely important and you're going to make sure that you take a number of notes away from here. If you have already not taken out a pen and paper, please pause this podcast, take out a pen and paper and start to make notes as we talk about this very, very specific podcast on all about diabetes and running in case you have this situation with you. Let's welcome Dr. Kumar Chanarthanan to the show. Dr. Kumar Janardhanan, welcome to the show. It is a great pleasure to have you with us. The pleasure is mine, uh, because so it's nice to touch base with a, a great runner and a great, I mean, a humble person, down to earth person like you, Vikas. So I'm so happy. Thank you. From today's conversation, uh, I'm certain a number of people, a number of runners like me and our listeners are going to benefit. And uh, this topic is fairly, fairly common, popular, yet neglected to a great extent. And uh, so I'm going to go through a number of questions, which at times you might find are pretty elementary when you look at it as a doctor. But you will see that these have great value and uh, our runners or even um, any anyone who wants to get started with running will benefit a great deal. So, so, so I'm going to request to go into the very basic as we as we continue with the conversation. But before any of that, how about we get started with an introduction of yours? Hi, I'm a 50 plus guy uh, who took running about that decade back, 11 years to be exact, and it was actually. Uh, I took running as a kind of a serendipity. It was for my wife who took the running and I used to just um, chauffeur her to uh, a place around 78 kilometers away from a neighborhood where the runners in Chennai used to meet and in 2010-2011. And uh, hardly there were about four female runners at that time. So for security reason, I used to go there and be with them. Right, exactly. It was like in it was in November, December. That, I mean, she started her running, and that's one day it just dwelled on my mind. And she exactly said that why instead of sitting in the car, why don't you come and do a little bit of steps along with us? So that really, you know, that's how you know the bug 
taught me and you know then there's no never been the look back um, it has been a wonderful journey and um, it helped me a lot to understand the nuances of running uh, that any person can, can be a runner it's not that you know unless until you're a type a or a type b or type c any person can be a runner as long as you know you have the perseverance and you follow it with an with a there must be a kind of a guidance from a, a person like a coach so you can have an injury free uh, running and that is going to help your uh, your relationships your anger management your professional career your uh, quality time you spend with your family everything you know it changes it's running i mean it's a metaphor you know it changes uh, your life forever yeah true and also running grows a lot more in in the community and uh, that is fairly evident also from seeing that your wife was able to nudge you to get started and so that was a great start and today's conversation is evolving a lot around beginners and so i think your experiences are going to be a lot relevant but i also wanted to touch base on your experience as a professor of medicine because both of these together make a great combination of what we'll be discussing today so what do you teach right now if you can help us understand a bit about that sure okay i work in a uh, medical college where we teach uh, the students from for undergraduate level as well as postgraduate level so i am in the department uh, medicine and i head the department um, especially i do the endocrinology for that is the diabetology in particular and i have been in this institution srm for the last 10 like sorry it was 2005 onwards so it's been 16 long years uh, that's how uh, that's my professional friend and it is a challenge in the sense that i need to be in my hospital by 8 o'clock and that's exactly whether you like it or not or believe it or not exactly 42 kilometers from my home <laughs> so uh, it's just a marathon distance from my house so i need to take uh, our college bus around by say 6:20 and so that we reach uh, by 7:30 7:40 dot 8 o'clock uh, our academic start and that's a challenge for me for the running aspect the training aspect that i have to get up by 3:30 every day so that i can finish off my morning chores and then go for a running and hit back to hit home at least by 6 o'clock so that i can catch the 6:20 uh, college bus so it has been uh, so i have to be balance myself when i say myself that includes my wife as well so we both have to do the morning cooking part of which uh, because no helper can come at home for um, 6 to pack our uh, breakfast and lunch so it has been a quite a, a pleasing challenge to say but thank god that i have an understanding spouse who loves running so things are uh, have been in uh, what do you call in an uh, we were in the same page throughout but i think this is going to be a challenge to uh, wake up the uh, rest of the family members disturb their sleeps for us to get ready and go for a run so that's how we have been, uh, so far the journey has been on and it was wonderful nice yeah i mean what a great example of perseverance um, doing almost two marathons day in car and uh, 
in India, almost anywhere in, in the city, the traffic can be fairly, fairly nasty. And you've been doing that. Uh, you've been covering that distance uh, every day since 2005. So kudos to you. Um, and and uh, I think uh, in literal sense also, the endurance is at its best here, is what I would say. Um, with that, let's move to diabetes. And uh, this topic, as I said in the start, is, uh, is fairly, fairly important for... Uh, beginner runners, for experienced runners, or even people who are not running at all. And so how about we get started with the very basics of what diabetes is to start with? There Are there many types of diabetes or there's just one? And, and then we'll get into more details as we progress. For a layman, what I would say that diabetes is a disorder which affects the blood vessels of the body. It's a vascular disease. Because of the organ called pancreas, which either is not functioning or it is producing insulin, which is not functioning. So that is so you divide it basically for a person to understand into two types, even though there are we have a lot of other types, where uh, type one, where insulin is not produced at all due to a viral infection, the, there's a total shutdown of your pancreas, uh, where the beta cells produces the insulin. So that is quite uh, the, the net result is zero insulin output from the pancreas. So the patient has to depend on insulin throughout his life. That is a type one. Fortunately for Indians, we come into less than it is uh, 0.01 of the population who are type one diabetes. But given the billions of people around uh, with uh, as a population, we have a very good number of type one diabetes as well. Type two diabetes is what we see that the garden variety that we see in patients who have um, say 40 years and above, or probably because their physical inactivity and their genetic lineage, parents uh, being diabetic or one of their parents being diabetic, what happens is that they develop insulin resistance. The body produces a lot of insulin, but this insulin is not functioning. So what happens the view with the food that we take, especially the carbohydrate or whatever we take, which converts into carbohydrate after digestion, it's it's the sugars keep on the higher level so we have a range say between say 90 to 140 so if the sugar levels are not kept in within that range uh, what happens is that they create an havoc especially to the blood vessels and when you say the whole our whole body is filled with blood vessel system they know the circulation system is such that every organ is affected it's just not that it's your kidney your eyes your heart your nerves everything is affected you name it diabetes affects that i think you seldom people will realize that one of the reasons where that india early tooth fall or having dental caries is probably because of undiagnosed diabetes and we don't give much importance for the dental care when it comes to diabetes we always think of the heart kidney cholesterol bp but we definitely also require a person from the other domains for example a dentist to have an annual dental care so that's that's just one of the uh, target organs that diabetes can affect so we do also have other diabetes at by birth itself it's called neonatal diabetes some patients would have for for some reason or other the pancreas would have stopped functioning because of inflammation we call it stones the gall stones which can produce pancreatitis where the inflammation so one fine morning you can see that patient gets with the severe uh, abdomen pain or maybe he's an alcoholic he's take binge drinking alcohol and he can develop pancreatitis post that pancreatitis event patient's insulin 
drops. So they are. This is called a type C or type three C diabetes, and diabetes can is associated even with uh, dementia, Alzheimer's disease. So that is also a different type of diabetes and Alzheimer's. So, so there is now the diabetes the heterogeneity has developed in such a way that we have lot number of different types of diabetes. But for a layman, I think type one and type two is what comes in the head. Then in pregnancy, we have a unique diabetes where the carbohydrate management is not proper during their pregnancy. So that is called gestational diabetes. So is a forerunner for them to become a diabetic later on in their life. Okay, got it. So um, stay with me. I'm going to understand as a layperson will understand and I'm going to repeat that and please correct me if I'm wrong. So we are saying that uh, out of the number of types of diabetes that exist, type 1 and type 2 diabetes are primarily prevalent out of that as well. Type 2 is something that's prevalent in India. Uh, most of the cases, about 99% or so. And uh, and here, what we are talking about, what happens in the case of diabetes, we are saying that um, there is a there is a lot of there is a lot of the carbohydrate that we consume through our food that's generating a lot of sugar and the sugar is directly going to the bloodstream which is not getting cleared by pancreas which should ideally get cleared by the pancreas and as a result this additional sugar is creating havoc in the body is that right understanding so far absolutely perfect now moving to the pancreas itself what are pancreas? Uh, to my understanding, it seems like they are dump trucks, like a BMC trucks, right? They are just clearing sugar from the bloodstream all the time. And uh, why is it happening that they stop functioning or their uh, efficiency reduces? Why that happens? The pancreas is an endocrine organ. Endocrine in the sense that they are the organ that secrete uh, chemical substances called hormones, which are the form of protein. Um, and what they do is that especially there are there are so many cells in the pancreas and we are talking about alpha beta uh, we have the uh, delta cells and we have uh, so many cells in the pancreas but we our focus will be on insulin so there is a beta cell that is that produces insulin so insulin is produced when the food is there entering in our system that is the the portal blood that is the blood supply that goes to the liver uh, so that senses uh, the glucose which has to be uh, taken care of. So insulin is produced by the pancreas and this we have enough amount of insulin for any person to keep our sugars under control. Uh, uh, what you call a uh, uh, ballpark figure would be we almost every person requires an approximately 40 to 45 units of insulin a day to keep their sugars down. So that is how we look at it. So and there are other organs that also help in controlling and managing the blood glucose that includes our muscle very very important that's why we dwell a lot on sarcopenia later in our talk probably and we have our fat cells so obesity plays an important one we have liver one of the one of the organ that is you know the silent uh, crime partner in type 2 diabetes is always liver so now we see that especially after the lockdown the number of cases of diabetes has gone up because of the high insulin resistance, because the liver plays a big role and it uh, continuously stimulates the pancreas to produce insulin. And in pancreas goes into a state of fatigue, following which the diabetes, you know, comes out on the surface for us to uh, diagnose by lab uh, parameters. So we have this liver, we have the muscle, there is 
brain that is also an important role and now the last 10 years or so we have the kidneys they are the important uh, organs that control the blood sugar so all these important organs along with our intestine uh, which also uh, produce uh, hormones called incretins that is also another uh, uh, subset of important so these all these uh, major organs to to be fat i could say that seven to eight octet we call it like octopus octet um, they all play in tandem in getting the sugars within the control so if there is any problem in any of these uh, structures that i have told you then we get uh, diabetes especially what we are calling is type 2 diabetes so let us focus ourselves only on type 2 diabetes so if a person is going to be physically inactive adds a few pounds to his uh, around his hips he, uh, his insulin resistance goes up so pancreas is put on a constant uh, insulin production drive which due to some due at some point of time gets into a state of fatigue and it doesn't it can't produce any more to get the sugars down that's how patient used to say last year i did my muscle checkup sugars were normal and no problem today i see my sugars are going 400 actually it is not so so during this time period where, where the patient sugars are apparently normal and now when the sugars are apparently i mean it's 400 a lot of things have happened to his body system and that is very difficult for a patient to understand because he's asymptomatic a patient does not get himself tested or does not go to a doctor unless he has some symptoms that which really uh, uh, what you call disrupts his quality of life so diabetes like a cancer it's a very silent killer it doesn't come out unless until they do a master health checkup or they go for some other reason and they do a uh, random sugar and they see the sugars are on the higher side and that's exactly the difficult thing to make the patient understand that you require say tablets or you require insulin the acceptance becomes a a challenge for the patient because they are in a state of denial they say how can it be i have never have any problem i am eating well i have my injury if i have an injury on my leg it heals very fast i don't think i think i should go and test in some other lab so this is the mindset that we need to uh, tackle with the patient they saw a challenge right yeah the mindset of denial where we think um, this is possibly not true or it was not there with me last year so how is it happening this year etc these are these are fairly common points i'm going to stay back again on pancreas for a minute more in regards to type 2 diabetes and how the how the stage of diabetes type 2 diabetes is achieved so what i understand is like pancreas are operating and they get fatigued over a period of time almost similar to how you get fatigued when you're overtraining and uh, in endurance sport for example and then our body starts to give up in some ways or other i'm understanding as a lay person that when the pancreas are fatigued um, as a clear agent they are not able to clear uh, the sugar that is getting uh, uh, produced and and that's what starts to create insulin resistance right correct right so so if if that is happening now what i want to understand is that why do they get fatigued uh, to start with right in in normal life we would understand that we are consuming food ideally the role of pancreas is to clear uh, the sugar and uh, and then uh, use the sugar as an energy source and just keep keep it as a normal life what are the variables that are actually coming in play is it the sedentary lifestyle is it the processed food is it the simple carb what is it that's coming in play here 
see for every organ in a body they require rest so that you know they uh, get rejuvenated and start working the next day probably one uh, one uh, almost all except probably our heart heart has to if it rests then you know we are in big trouble so uh, apart from the heart i think all the rest of our organs require some amount of you know a state of pause in the sense that they have to get their energy back for um, uh, continual working that they are supposed to do unfortunately uh, if i can ask you vikas so what is is your fasting how how many hours are you your body is ready to fast or you are fasting i'm i'm generally fasting for no less than 12 hours that is uh, from the moment uh, i have had my last meal at night and uh, when i have my next uh, uh, meal in the morning yeah so this is the concept that everybody feels that you know it all depends from the last meal to the next meal actually it is not so we are in a state there are two states that is one is the prandial state means when you immediately when you have taken your food it stays for one and a half hours in your tummy and then we have a state of absorption that is where you know so we have a post prandial state so there is a prandial state and a post prandial state so that goes on for at least 8 hours so if you can then see the actually a fasting only is 4 hours say from uh, 4 am till the when you take your the 8 am or when you take your coffee or the first um, meal or beverage of the day so that is where actually we are fasting so after 24 hours 20 hours we are in state of either eating or in a post pancreas so pancreas hardly gets around 4 hours of rest given that scenario that happens for everybody and if you are indulging on and high carbohydrate diet be it breakfast be it lunch and dinner the three principal meals as well as we the snack in between so the pancreas is made to work throughout and the, the so what happens is that so that is not sufficient amount of uh, work that we generate we call it quality work it keeps working so we have in a state of hyperinsulinemia so insulin is an anabolic hormone means it's an it uh, it's a building block it's very important that's why it's called anabolic so what happens is that in this insulin it also uh, uh, what we call uh, i mean it excites our hunger hormones so we have that hormone is called ghrelin and there are so many other hormone hormones in the body which uh, which increases your appetite so more insulin in your body increases your appetite so for example you had a sumptuous breakfast within 2 hours you feel that again you are hungry if some snack is given to you mind doesn't say no you would like to have it a samosa or you have vada pav or whatever it is like having it again you go for lunch so there is a lot of you know the snack attack happens so this is where the problem in the india of our indians or asians come in we keep on taking high carbohydrate diet which is a vicious cycle it produces uh, chronic hyperinsulinemia this chronic hyperinsulinemia begets into more blood glucose so pancreas produces more insulin and this goes on and on and on till the pancreas gets into a fatigue mode the which it says okay i am done with it so hell with your sugar so then the sugars are 400 500 once sugar becomes such in high numbers we call it a state of glucotoxicity I mean toxicity means like a poison so very anything that is high it is not good for health so even if nectar is given you know we have a saying too much of nectar is also is a poison so same thing applies uh, in this context as well so when you are uh, having high sugars uh, the the insulin uh, production doesn't happen anymore and this high blood glucose gives you in the state of 
polyuria. That's why people, patients do come and saying that they have increased amount, you know, their sleep is disturbed because they have more frequent visits to the restroom that produces polyuria because it is it's called osmosis. Glucose produces osmotic diuresis, means you have increased frequent frequency of urination and your appetite is so big. I mean, whatever you give, you start, you know, uh, uh, indulging on all those uh, food that you take. But what happens to your body? The body becomes leaner and leaner. That body does not become, you don't put on weight, actually you start losing weight. So these are the, the usual symptoms uh, even if a, for which a patient can come to a hospital. It is polyuria, polyphagia. Polyphagia means increased appetite and polydipsia, increased thirst. These are the three polys we call it. So polyuria, polyphagia and polydipsia. So increased thirst, increased urination and increased appetite. And all these things with loss of weight. Along with that, you see that patient says that, okay, I have lost around two to three kilos. And he may think that he is doing well otherwise, uh, but actually it is not so. So that's where, you know, that the, how that diabetes starts surfacing out and patients, if at all, I said that diabetes is a silent killer, but if it produces symptoms, these are the symptoms it can come in. And for males, it definitely can produce there's some itchiness in the genitalia, for which a male patient can also seek doctor's help. Probably that would be his first symptom. Understand. So I have, I have a number of questions here. Uh, is because as a layperson, there are so many things that start to look counterintuitive to me. That is, uh, you're losing weight and you think it's a good thing. Uh, as a runner, we look for uh, simple carbohydrate uh, on occasions of when we are doing long workouts, hard workouts, etc. And we think we require energy for... Uh, uh, these uh, these purposes, etc. And also the third thing is that uh, if I got to know when I have reached the diabetes, the, the diabetic level, in that case, how do I work on it anyway? So I wanted to understand to start with that is that do people reach the diabetic stage only then they get to know? Or uh, uh, you said it's a silent killer. I'm assuming it takes a long time for people to get there. So at what stage should people be able to figure out that is like the pre-diabetic stage or something like that? Should it be through annual checkups or how should that be, for example? See, if you look at the latest um, International Diabetes Federation, uh, what we call the statistics, you can see that almost 53% uh, of in population, Indian population, don't know they are in a pre-diabetic state or they have diabetes. Forget about their uh, symptoms and all. They are totally unaware. That's called there is said they are they are not aware that they are in pre-diabetic state because Indian population, the South Asian population, we genetically we are all diabetic unless until proved otherwise. That's how we have to take it. So if you are going to be a runner or you are going to start doing an endurance activity, I think first would be to do a checkup. You need to check your sugar. You may have your parent diabetic or parents. Uh, you may not know that your parent is diabetic. So we have no idea unless until you do the test. Uh, most of the patients who come to us tell that they have done a checkup three years back or they have done a checkup five years back when they have subject to for surgery. After that, there was no checkup. So unless until you don't know your numbers, uh, series of numbers, just not one blood test cannot tell a person whether he is going to be diabetic or not. So we need to see the trend of these numbers when they do their annual checkup and see where, how they are uh, trending towards diabetes, towards pre-diabetes or not. So said that they should go for basic tests. We are not going to do any big tests. If you are 35 and above, 
and you have a family history of diabetes your brother or your parents or your grandparents mama nani whoever it is so you have to do a fasting blood glucose test and 75 gram glucose oral glucose then you have to do a post glucose blood test and very important is to do a fasting insulin that test is not been done uh, for it in a master head checkup so you have to see how where is your insulin resistance level at that point of time and this is the test you do and of course you check your blood pressure and you do your cholesterol and like it as well so these are the in the tests you have to do for the blood this is more than enough to start with and once you and then you need to get a treadmill test because uh, just an ordinary ecg may not be a good one so why do we do a treadmill it is not to see the ecg changes that happen during running treadmill basically there is a big myth going on with treadmill it is just to see the bp response to your exercise see how all these tests we are done are when we are uh, in a state of you know physical inactivity ecg is done when we are resting the uh, bp is taken when we are resting so what happens to your body's blood pressure response while you are put on your when heart is put on and to increase activity so that is where we need to uh, really focus on so during a treadmill test i think most of the people who are my listeners who have done i think i'm sure that they would have undergone a treadmill test definitely they would have checked uh, the 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 technician would have checked bp at rest bp after 3 minutes bp after 6 minutes and bp at the end of the uh, treadmill so he is looking at the body's blood pressure response to the exercise and after exercise so that will give us a clue that how the heart is adapting to the raised uh, needs of the heart when the heart rate uh, jumps up due to exercise so these are the minimal tests that you require and if you have a family member who had a sudden cardiac death any person may not be very close even your nephew or um, second cousin anybody in your family had an heart cardiac um, unexplained death that would be below the age of 55 i think you have to do a cardiac mr and then a ct angiogram these are the optional tests but mandatory tests for those people who had um, unexplained death in their family Uh, below the age of 55 we call it premature cardiovascular uh, uh, accidents or death or any even even a stroke even an young stroke so they have to do this test that is for sure and then we have to look at their lifestyle are they are they having a good sleep quality 7 hours i mean good quality 7 hours of sleep do they smoke do they uh, indulge in alcohol call it a social drinking or uh, whether there is an there is an addiction for uh, alcohol or substance abuse this has to be very clearly uh, looked into it and based on that only we can uh, ask the patients whether they can go for the kind of endurance activity because i think uh, i have when i start talking i may i mean really detour from what you were really want to ask me there's something called athlete's heart and that's a talk very close to my because i lost my my run buddy last year in jan it's going to be one year uh, in another two months time unexplained is one of the gifted runners so he paces for me during lsds and for my speed intervals unfortunately i lost him unexplained death it was a monday morning at home suddenly he fainted and that's it nobody could do anything so um, these are the things that we need to do so the minimum tests that we need to do at your as it starts at the age of 30 35 don't wait for 40 or 45 right then you have to based on that you can do the repeat this test every 3 years okay so so if we if we stay on to the the blood test that you talked about so fasted glucose and fasted insulin 
are the, I think, the test, and you said then 75 gram of glucose uh, ingestion, and then you take the, the test again. And uh, that will give the baseline indication from a, from, from a diabetes or pre-diabetes uh, stage perspective. And if things are okay, then of course, the stress test, the treadmill, treadmill test that you talked about, that will talk about any underlying conditions that get flared up only when body is put under stress. And uh, that happens. And, and there are a number of other things, like you said, uh, like athlete's heart. There are, uh, there are so many uh, other mitochondrial, other issues that are there, etc. And, and we could get into detail. But I, what I want to do is on the diabetes front, it, once that test has been done, and, and let's now take the situation that someone comes to be a pre-diabetic or someone comes to be a diabetic. In that case, how should person... Uh, look at their life from training perspective. Do you think endurance, sport, um, running or any other activity is going to help that person? And if yes, how should that person approach it safely? Because there is this question that keeps uh, running around, right? That am I safe if I have this condition? Should I be working out or not? So if uh, I have a patient, for example, a pre-diabetic, say that his fasting blood sugar is 112, and it's postprandial 150, which probably uh, general practitioner may, may ignore these numbers. But these two numbers is enough to say that he's pre-diabetic. So what? And he, for him, uh, doing an endurance activity by which he's going to knock out a few pounds is going to help him tremendously, and he can convert into a uh, uh, normal euglycemic person. So he may, uh, instead of progressing from pre-diabetic to diabetic, he may become an euglycemic person, euglycemic in the sense that the sugars are within normal range because uh, endurance activity as well as with good nutrition uh, can definitely improve his insulin sensitivity, means his insulin resistance will come down by which he can uh, uh, I mean, regress to a state where we call it a normal person or normal metabolic health. So that is one thing that an endurance activity can do. For him, he can do go ahead with his disciplined life. He need not worry about his sugar numbers, absolutely nothing. But if a patient is already on, he is a known diabetic for, for some reason, he's come to you for the first time and doctor had said that, okay, go and do exercise. And he doesn't know what kind of exercise to be done. And if he is on tablets or, or, or on insulin, I think these are the people who have to be a little more careful because when you're doing an, an activity uh, where you're, uh, fast fibers are put into action like speed intervals, sugars actually go up. There is an hyperglycemic state during an acute activity. Tabata, when you have a high intensity workout, sugar actually goes very high during that period of uh, acute physical activity. But when you are going for an endurance type of activity, LSDs, sugar will start going down probably after 30 to 40 minutes uh, of uh, your run activity or treadmill, whatever you do, you are indoor. So it is very imperative that you start checking your sugars uh, before your uh, workout. And then you start uh, uh, looking at your sugars during your workout. That can also help if he has any kind of giddiness or kind of um, any kind of thing. So he had to listen to his body very well. So I rather would say that if a person is diabetic for first time is running, always run with a group. So we have our runners group. I tell them that please don't run alone. It may not be a good one. But in case he says that, sorry, I'm in a place where I don't have any runner friends. I don't have anybody to help me out. So what I do is that I give them um, continuous glucose monitoring. There is a small patch they attach to his body on his deltoid. 
and ask him to do his running activity, but within limits. At least go for a math uh, run, look at your heart rate. So you do according, don't do any kind of activity because you are starting for the first time. Go very slow, walk, jog, whatever it is. Let me understand how is your body reacting to glucose, is reacting to the kind of work activity. So this uh, I uh, wait for two weeks, 14 days, and then remove the patch and then I under uh, do the analysis. It's very uh, easy, simple software that is available to do and I remove the patch and then look at this glucose fluctuation during the physical activity. So then it becomes an uh, I get more insight how his body is uh, coping up with the exercise and the intensity given at that point of time. From there onwards, I ask them to build on it and see whether to decrease the dose of insulin the previous night, especially of it is going for an uh, see nice 60 minutes or 90 minutes of activity or in case if sugars are going a bit low, I'll ask him to take a banana or take a probably uh, some simple carbohydrate before he at least 30 minutes before he starts his workout. And probably every 40 minutes, 45 minutes, keep taking a, a gel to make sure that sugars are fine. So this is how I start uh, for a diabetic person. Right. So, so in case of uh, diabetic person, as I understood that uh, people should definitely start under guidance of uh, their doctor. You have to check your sugars frequently. Right. Uh, you have to check your sugar frequently and work with your doctor who will be able to suggest it better. The continuous uh, glucose monitoring that you talked about is becoming increasingly popular and, and people can take help of uh, that as well. And uh, now the question is, you said if you do a high intensity workout, your sugar level goes up. And, and if you are uh, not doing a high intensity workout, your sugar level is not going up as much and maybe it's going down. Why is it happening, do you think? And, and what should people be aware of here? So when you're doing a high intensity workout, you know, there is a kind of in a state of inflammation. Body is in a state of inflammation. There is a lot of cytokines that are released, which actually uh, increase your blood sugars. You have the interleukins. We have so many cytokines for so many chemical substances that are released during your high intensity workout. So that really pushes your sugar on the highest side because it increases your insulin resistance and more insulin is produced. So we have to understand our phenotype. I mean, we need our, our body structure for what we are uh, meant for. So I told the type 2 diabetes, even though it's a one umbrella term, we come under difference. There are five or six subtypes of type 2 diabetes, depending upon their insulin uh, resistance. That's why I said you have to check your insulin first as a basic test. So based on that, your coach would be an ideal person to give the kind of exercise, whether you have to do an high intensity workout. So during the high intensity workout, we are in a state of um, a cytokine storm, we may call it, uh, that will definitely raises your blood sugars. So if your sugars have been, uh, without your knowledge, have been around 100, it can suddenly go to 125 to 130. I'm talking about you know, that kind of small delta increase of the sugars during exercise, not 300, 400 and all. But uh, if a patient is already a diabetic and he is going for a high intensity, I think he has to get his sugars under control before he goes for high intensity. Right, right. Fair enough. And I think for a, a, a layman, it's also important to understand the high level of uh, sugar does not mean it's a, a higher level of carbohydrates and energy source being available for you to 
to work out, but rather it's a the high high number of sugar is going to create havoc in your body. And and also, doctor, you talked about the Mafetan method. Uh, we do have entire podcast where we covered an hour of uh, Mafetan method. We will put that detail in the show notes. But uh, just in very simple term for people to be aware of, uh, it's a uh, Mafetan method is generally considered a conversational pace, easy effort, moderate intensity endurance workout that is running primarily. And and there are ways to calculate it. One eighty minus your age plus minus five or ten beats that kind of range depending on your experience and physical fitness level etc but more details can be found uh, on the show notes which we will provide so now um, let's move forward and talk about the gels or other carbohydrate sources say someone is diabetic and is working under supervision of a coach qualified coach i would assume and uh, their own doctor uh, as well as nutritionist how should they be approaching their uh, energy sources when they are on a long run? Should their, uh, should their energy sources be any different than normal runners or it should be similar? It depends upon the duration of the activity or as well as the, the intensity of activity. These two things are very important. So if we are going to have anything below 60 minutes, I don't think that they require anything. Uh, just say, for example, if the sugars have been stable enough, so I'm talking about if a patient's sugars have been stable enough and doctor has given a green signal and he's taking his tablets, I think for 60 minutes of uh, endurance activity, he does not require any kind of uh, carbohydrate source. That is to be um, something that we don't have to overburden the body with taking an extra amount of carbohydrates. That's not required at all. Probably he can take more of um, electrolyte-based where you can have uh, glucose so you have uh, like fast enough you have that uh, what do you call that you have the tablets you have the uh, uh, isoelectric so many drinks that are available so tailwind is what i use so those are the, what's available in india that's fine you have univet pro so many products are there which can be used to keep sipping probably once in uh, 15 to 20 minutes if the time zone is going to be more than 60 minutes or he feels fatigued so no two person are the same. So the person says that he feels fatigue after say five kilometers and he's into his 30th minute. Probably I think he can have his um, electrolytes and take a salt tablet depending upon the, if he is training in a high humid area. So that all because the salt, uh, the, the sweat also plays an important role in that when it comes to fatigability, it's just not the sugars. So if there's anything below 60 minutes, I do you don't have to worry. But if you are going to do an LSD two hours or um, so you are going to do a half marathon slow it takes more than two hours so there i think every 45 minutes he has to replenish because the glycogen storage we don't have enough or if you want that's why we call it no you hit the wall so we need to replenish yeah uh, so we need to start the body has we need so everything happens during training one fine morning on marathon, we cannot uh, adjust our nutrition. Everything starts with the baby steps of your training in your LSDs, in your early phase of uh, running life. Um, so uh, probably every 45 minutes, uh, one gel would be in, uh, sufficient enough to make sure that his sugars don't drop for a diabetic. So uh, that's how you look into it. And based on that, he can always try to improvise on his timing. So I will say that either seven kilometers or 45 minutes whichever is early he has to replenish with an, a simple carbohydrate it can be an uh, dates natural source 
or it can be something that is available process one for us the form of gel okay okay generally for um for us endurance athletes who fortunately do not have the disease uh, yet it's uh, suggested that our body at those intensities during long distance running can consume up to 50 to 60 g of uh, simple carbohydrate which is about 200 calorie an hour will that be similar uh, arrangement that's getting suggested for people who are diabetic too yes yeah if their sugars are normal see because when you're talking about because they are doing a, a endurance activity so they are not on high intensity sugars are going to drop over a period of an hour's time so the body has to we have to preempt the sugars from dropping down so that's the reason that i say that i'll give you that number of you know that the ballpark of 45 minutes uh, to 1 hour you need to replenish um, because as soon as you take carbohydrate they are not converted into energy form so it it takes at least 20 minutes to get digested and enter the portal blood in the form of glucose so it takes some uh, there's a lag period of say 20 odd minutes so when you have this 45 minutes plus 20 that's why exactly 1 hour later body gets the energy for you to drive through the rest of your uh, in a running program that is same whether you are a diabetic or being non diabetic but then the endurance and the the endurance capacity improves over a period of time so probably you can uh, timing your uh, nutrition can even uh, get prolonged you don't have to take at the 45 minutes if it is going to be non race it's just going to be lsd you can take it at the 60th minute even it all depends upon your training sure sure now another training question and possibly i should have asked this uh, earlier nutrition question rather is how does how does body or how do pancreas respond to you consuming simple carbohydrate versus complex carbohydrate in general life for uh, uh, pre diabetic diabetic or even for general population and do you suggest one type of carbohydrate versus another or either is okay one important thing that i would like to say during i mean that this juncture is that our body works well in a postprandial state so it is not in the fasting there is always a myth that you know faster running there are a lot of uh, coaches who say that probably faster running is good for you know you burn fat you that is going to be of uh, help in long duration but un- unfortunately what science has uh, taught us during the animal studies initially and then with the human studies is that our body if i mean the pancreas insulin producing efficiency is better in a postprandial state that's why that every for every before every marathon event i mean long distance running event we always tend to eat at least uh, say have 45 minutes before a small uh, probably an oatmeal if you are going for a long distance running because that, that's where you know the body starts uh, the efficiency of the pancreas is much better off when you have already something to trigger its activity so if you are doing a faster running all of a sudden you see that pan- there is no nothing to you know trigger the pancreas so it starts very lazy it starts very slow and abruptly you can see the insulin going down so uh, body well works well when you have a um, what you call carbohydrate already in your system the question is whether it is a simple carb or a complex carb the issue is the timing of food so if you don't have a time so you are just only 15 minutes to your run event then i think complex carb is not going to help of any help uh because you need to load and keep your glycogen levels on the highest side so that then as only the simple carb can you can work but you have enough time 
for before it means you plan your run such a way that you have an endurance activity coming in and you have enough time in the morning so taking uh, uh, what you call the overnight what i do is that i take overnight drives i just keep it in the keep it outside in the temp- i mean in a room ambient temperature uh, have a uh, rice gruel i take it it's, it's a complex stuff because it also probiotic because i add a curd to it and uh, uh, or buttermilk then late night so it's a probiotic it has rice the rice is um, when, when i say rice i'm talking about the hand pound rice it has fiber in it. so it, there is how that's how the complexity of the fiber uh, makes it a complex starch so i take it well in advance so for me that becomes you know i, I don't require a simple so you don't see any sugar spiking in my body it takes slowly gradually the sugars uh, rise up which syncs well with my running activity so you have a time take complex uh, carbohydrate if you don't have time take the i mean the gels which have um, of course nowadays you have a combination you you get uh, uh, both complex and the simple uh, i mean they are already pre processed and you know pre packed and given to you so that you don't have to think about the science behind it just you have to take it 15 to 20 minutes of your race and for probably 45 minutes every uh, every 45 minutes so that you have your energy source so if you are doing natural source i think complex starch always does much better than sure. the simple starch right yeah in in case of uh, uh, training i completely get it uh, if uh, people have less time and they need to go race or they need to go train then for them to use uh, direct energy or or energy on an immediate basis possibly simple carbohydrate is better but as you suggested complex carbohydrate comes with so many benefits including the the slow release um in the blood stream and as a result the insulin does not spike uh, significantly as well as there are so many minerals and fiber also that comes with complex carbohydrates so it's uh, extremely important for everybody including runners for that matter okay it's been progressing really really fantastic and i'm sure people are going to rewind a lot of these conversation and uh, and take notes um i wanted to see before um before we get to the closer of it that if people have gotten diabetic or if they are pre diabetic do you think the disease condition is fully curable or can it be fully managed uh, how should people look at this as a disease condition should they get super worried about it or is this something that can be controlled well, i think good that you asked this question because uh, we do have especially the last 4 years i think there are a lot of research that has been done on the remission of diabetes but probably are talking about remission of a disorder so we call it i we don't call it cure we call it remission because if, because this is as long as you are on it you are safe but the moment you stop it so you can when you say cure that becomes you know the people take in a wrong sense so as long as lage raho you are you can always Uh, turn the tide of the clock and you can the, the pre diabetic can become a normal person and even the diabetic person can stop taking his medications his hba1c can go uh, much below 6 almost towards uh, a pre diabetic state or even a normal normal glycemic state so this is where i have lot of my friends uh, in chennai who are uh, type 1 diabetics whose insulin has really has come down Uh, i have people of of course they are on very good monitoring they are on continuous glucose meter uh, glucose meter all the time i'm talking about type 1 diabetes mind you because these are the type 1 diabetes who had put on weight 
they became they became physically inactive during lockdown they put on weight their insulin doses have gone up so now after the lockdown was over their uh, they started running and their insulin has come to when the minimal that is required for their existence and for type 2 diabetes i have a lot of my friends including the friend i talked about his sugars were um, he's also he was a diabetic uh, but his sugars were fantastic under control i had cut down all the medications especially the last um, few months prior to his demise he was not on any medicine and just about a week before um, uh, his death his sugar he has undergone a master checkup and sugars were all normal his coach was so happy to say that he is probably the only one uh, mentee in his whole uh, uh, mentee uh, list who is adherent to the discipline and everything unfortunately we lost what i'm saying is that definitely uh, running can uh, remit diabetes because it's all your weight management as when are you when you're running you're exercising and have mindful eating and a good rest definitely can uh, remit diabetes by and large your medications can come down uh, you probably may stop taking if it's a type 2 diabetes you probably may not require insulin because you start having hypos when you are on insulin so definitely you can undergo remission for sure and we do have a lot of uh, uh, research on that especially in athletes as well as in uh, uh, in people who are on very carb uh, very low carbohydrate diet uh, those who are not runners we have seen that remission does happen in type 2 diabetes which was not so when i was a student once you are diabetic you are diabetic for life then that is what has been was been taught but with running uh, catching up we can see a lot of people their hypertension comes in i am not even talking about diabetes i'm talking about the hypertension their blood pressure improves so everything is based upon your insulin resistance the your fatty liver uh, disappears and uh, remission can happen as long as uh, you follow what your doctor and the coach uh, demands nice very positive news and i'm sure people who may have this condition unfortunately uh, they can be confident that under right supervision and with the right constant work uh, this can be remitted and and people do not have to worry much about it uh, doctor what a fantastic conversation uh, this has been i i totally enjoyed it and i'm sure our listeners would enjoy as well before we wrap up is there anything additional that you'd want to suggest to runners i would say that if you are diabetic or not please make sure that uh, you get help that is always important don't take think uh, things uh, saying that it's all fine but there is nothing hunky dory about it you need to get your sugars tested every year just because this year the sugars are normal your lipids were normal please don't uh, be happy with that but make sure that you know you do this because we need to have series of numbers you're looking at the trend rather than one absolute number so we want to make sure that you uh, do your checkups which is necessary for you So, uh, because of whatever I have said is in for a general, in general, for a particular person, he may need some extra test to be done. Please consult a doctor who is also a runner. That would also be a plus. But otherwise, they will really uh, say that your running is not good for your knees. If you go for an orthopedician, definitely you may get. I am not saying that you you may get a kind of a negative. Um, vibe from the doctors so look at a person for a sports medicine specialist for example or a person who is a runner there are definitely there are a lot of doctors who are coming to running so in your group definitely there will be one doctor uh, who i think take the help of that uh, person and 
try to stay fit make sure that you sleep well the very important thing that we i want to stress is that you are getting up in morning 4 am for doing your lsd so that you know before the sun rises you are done with an two and a half hours of running that's all fine but make sure that uh, rest of the week i think you need to have a good sleep quality sleep let not your work from home uh, you log out from your uh, uh, from your work much ahead have seven hours of good sleep and uh, spread the joy of running such a such a great way to end it um on uh, the importance of sleep we also recorded one whole hour of conversation with dr uh, amy bender and uh, it was so outstanding to hear from her how sleep plays a role in almost everything for uh, well-being of uh, human beings so very very important uh, doctor uh, this was uh, this was such an enriching conversation we have a few other lineups in the future where i'm speaking with uh, uh, additional doctors cardiologists we are talking with orthopedics talking about various aspects of uh, uh, being well and how uh if all of those are controlled we naturally will be better runners but for today's conversation thank you so very much this was so fantastic thank you pleasure is mine because it's is a wonderful opportunity for giving uh, i mean sharing this platform with you so that whatever uh, little knowledge i know and which i have been uh, doing research is been at least been uh, uh, spread in a positive way so that people need not be uh, scared about their diabetes their metabolic health they can talk to their doctors they can if they are passionate about their endurance activity whatever may be with swimming cycling or running they can definitely go about it then nothing stops from them but then there is a cap for everything they should know their limits listen to their body thank you so much it has been a wonderful evening with you thank you very much bye this was all for today and i'm sure you found it extremely informative if you like the conversation please give us a feedback on the podcast channel that you're listening from that will not only help us improve the ranking but it will also help me understand what i need to be doing differently thank you so much for your time today and i look forward to speaking with you next week good luck thank you for listening we have a lot more to offer on nutrition training and fitness check the fit page app or visit our website fitpage.in